All right, we'll start. We'll start in three, two, one. What's up, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of That's Fair with Josh and Marcus. I am your coat. Well, I'm one of your co-hosts, Josh McMullen, the Bebop Man himself, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, one Marcus Davis. What's up? Hello, hello. So, uh, this was intended to be our topic for last week, and then we just really got in-depth discussion on the the many nuances of the Emmy nominations and what have you. Uh, but today's episode, we're going to talk about the films of one Quentin Tarantino. His new movie is coming out Friday. Yeah. Friday, yeah. Um, by MDB. It has a 9.5 for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, I don't know if this is accurate. It has almost 9,000 people who voted. I can't find this movie yet. Yeah. It, you know what I mean. So It says 31 theaters near Los Angeles, so I assume it's like a small release right now. But it's coming wide on Friday, it, right? Yeah, and it is L.A., so I guess a lot of people probably... Yeah had gone and screened it, but And then there's also uh didn't it play at Cannes? Has Cannes came out yet? I thought so. Uh I, I, I don't remember which one, but it went to one of the um the film festivals and apparently had like a ten minute standing ovation. Let me see. I'm gonna look that up. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Film festival. Yeah, it was at Cannes. Was at Cannes. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, with his new movie coming up, we are going to dive into. Obviously, we haven't seen the new one yet, but we're going to dive into his filmography, <clears throat> and we're going to talk about. Like we said, the movies of Quentin Tarantino. Now, do you want to do just the movies that he's written and directed, or do you want to do just the movies he's directed? Because technically he's written several that he hasn't directed himself. Right. Uh, True True Romance, um, Natural Born Killers. He actually did one I just saw. His like a movie he had done, 87, come on. Best Friends, Valentine. On my best best friend's birthday. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we're not going to consider that one. Now let's just do the ones he directed. All right, cool, um, cool. So as that's the case, and the reason being is because you know there was a lot of things in Natural Born Killers that were changed. A lot of things in True, True Romance that were changed that he probably would not have done himself. If he had if he had directed it. Yeah. So we just go by his directions. Cool, cool. So in that case, let's start with oh, and do we uh, do we want to include four rooms? four rooms? No. Okay. Because you only have one section of it. Yeah. Um, okay. Four rooms should be out. Um, even Sin City should be out. He had a little special guest direct direction in that one. I didn't. I didn't know that. Um, 
do we want to separate Grindhouse and Death Proof? Uh, yeah, because he because he only did Death Proof. I think well, he he acted in the Robert Rodriguez one. That's right, Robert did that one. Planet oh. Terror. That's what it was called. Damn. Grind. Yeah. So yeah, he, well, he actually, only did. Death I'm proof. sorry. So we, we yeah, because Grindhouse was everything. Yeah, Grindhouse was both of them plus the little fake trailers. Yeah. So okay. Let's just do uh, death proof. Yeah. Um. All right. All right. Cool. So I guess we'll start off with 1992's Reservoir Dogs. Um. I didn't see this movie contemporaneously. Like when it came out, obviously, because I was what four. I saw it when it came on video, and I guess it was 92. It didn't really do great in the box office just because, you know, nobody knew who he was. Yeah. But this made me love him. Um, this yeah. This was awesome to me. Um, even looking back at the movies he had done, that he has done, um, it's really hard not to put this in my top five. Just because of how original it was, um, he had some great. Yeah, actors. it's a heist movie that isn't about the heist, which is really interesting. It's like what? it's a heist movie about the heist, oh. but that's not about the heist oh, itself. Yeah. Like yeah. nobody ever really explores that. Um, maybe Heat is the only other one that maybe does the same thing. But then there's still the you know the giant heist sequence in Heat. So yeah. This one's definitely, uh, for what it did at the time, definitely unique. And like you were saying about the actors, like really, really fantastic ensemble. I mean, he had Harvey Keitel, um, Tim Roth, yeah, um, Michael Madsen. Michael Madsen was off C. Buscemi, you know, and, and this is when you saw the two. Well, this is the first movie that he really came out with, so. You saw the dialogue and how he used that to bring the movie along, mm. um, especially for people who don't like dialogue, they like action. You know, this kept you interested, well, kept me interested because there was thing like like the very first part of the movie. I won't say the first is in the first scene. He was talking about um, tipping. Yeah, yeah. You know, regardless if you you know like it or not, he made a good point. You know, so, um, and then to use that same person who talked about tipping to be a waiter in his next movie. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. that's just, you know, kind of interesting. But um, I love this movie. Um, this one. And it's, I think what it was is that because you knew Tim Roth was a cop, it was more of. How is everybody else going to react to it? Harvey Cattell did great. Yeah, did great. yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and you can see the disappointment in his face when he realized he was wrong about vouching for Tim Roth. Yeah. Um, but no, um, if I had to give this anything, I'd give this a nine. Um, what issues would I have with this? Um, I don't necessarily think that I have any with it in particular, but... In the pantheon of the rest of his movies, I just don't feel like it's 
I don't know that I would put it in the top five. I, th- I think because, so let me, let me put words in your mouth. Okay. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with the budget. I think okay, yeah. low budget mm. um, because you only really had, okay, so you had the diner scene, you had the scene with the Tim Roth and the black dude, the cops mm-hmm. in the apartment. And I think they had gone to a diner. You had the heist that they briefly you know, showed. And then you had the scene in the, the warehouse. The warehouse. Or, yeah. Um, so even with those few scenes, you only had those main characters. You, you saw maybe five other people. Yeah, yeah, like it wasn't cop, a whole lot. The chick who was, no, I think got shot um, in the heist. The guy, no, the guy got shot in the heist. The chick that got held up. Um, so it was very few people. So it was more of a character study of these people yeah. that had to deal with it. I think if the budget was bigger, if it came out later, he probably would have done more with it or it was seemed not as... Um, I hate to say low budget, but, you know, low budget. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think that's why <coughs> I like it so much. And I would put it in my top five because if for it to be the way it was, it's still to kind of hold up as far as, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of other directors who've made movies that you can definitely tell improved over movies as mm-hmm. far as dialogue, yeah. as far as everything. And I feel like this stayed as far as the way his dialogue has gone. Um, you got for me. You could put this up with any other movies, mm-hmm. but the great thing about his dialogue, uh, especially in this movie in particular, is um, his use of uh, subtext while having everything seem natural. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, right. like there's there's always an underlying like message that's coming across in his dialogue, but it seems like r- something that normal people would say. Yeah, it's not just like. Like generic, yeah. Let me just write this down so I can get a story across. Um, and that's one problem I think I have. This, I think he's one of the reasons why I look at movies the way I do. When I hear dialogue, I feel this doesn't seem real. You know, his dialogue seems real. This seems like a real conversation, regardless of what circumstance you may be getting into. And we'll get into that in his next movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a conversation you'll have. And I think that's what. I, I, I miss about movies that this is not, these aren't real conversations. These are their scripts. Like now you're reading, mm, um, yeah. but, but I, yeah, I love this movie. Um, and I always feel the same at the end where you're, you know, you just hope it's kind of like that Romeo and Juliet effect. Like you hope the ending changes. You hope things change, yeah. but you know, it's not so, I, yeah, I agree with you. I really, I think the ending is maybe the best part of this movie. I mean, I, I really like the relationship between Harvey Keitel and Tim Roth, mm-hmm. like the father son dynamic that they have going on. I really like that. But the ending of the movie is really, really spectacular. Yeah. And, uh, one thing that I think when, Specifically, when people who feel the same way as I do, like why it's not in like their top five or whatever of Tarantino's works, the um, the one one point against that is that this movie is just as iconic, I think, as Pulp Fiction in Tarantino's works. I think as he goes 
on in his career with the exception of probably Kill Bill, I'd say. Um, he gets a little bit less and less uh, – has a little bit less in the like – his pop culture reach. I'll put it that way. Like this movie and Pulp Fiction, uh, in particular really still have a, a big hold in pop culture. Like there are still things that are referenced all the time. Like there's, um, you know, the, the Michael Madsen scene where he cuts old, old boy's ear off, or there's even like, there are all kinds of shots in, um, in movies like where you see, up out of the uh, the trunk, you know, uh, when they pull the dude from the from the trunk, and it's just them staring or um, his point of view staring up at them, mm-hmm. like that's ripped off everywhere. And I I really feel like Reservoir Dogs does have that pop culture. Um, That that grasp on yeah. pop culture the same way that that Pulp Fiction does. Whereas once you get past Kill Bill, I'm not sure <laughs> that they do that as much anymore. Well, no, he also had didn't make that many after Kill Bill. I think he only yeah. made two or more two real films after that. Per se. Yeah, because there was uh, Inglorious well, Bastards, Inglorious Bastards, um, eight eight. and Django. Oh, and Django, yeah. So three, um, and then those were more. Period pieces. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, another thing about this movie is that when you talk about how, you know, it's referenced a lot, when you think about stuck in the middle with you, no matter, you know, oh, yeah. I am, always. That's the only thing I think about mm-hmm. is this cop getting his damn ear chopped off. Yeah. Um, it's funny that you say that because I, I had heard that song on the radio, like growing up and stuff, uh, on like classic rock stations and stuff like that. But, after watching that movie, that's the only thing I think about. Period. Period. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this, I mean, this was filmed on a very low budget. Um, hell, Chris Payne was in it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I he, like this movie. He died. Uh, I want to say like ten years ago. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. He had like a heart attack from a mm-hmm. drug overdose, possibly. That's sad. He he was a really great actor. He's not as good as you know Sean Penn, but like for what he was doing, yeah, <clears throat> I thought he was he was especially great in this. But yeah, uh, Reservoir Dogs is really really great movie. Yeah, this is great. Um, so, so he follows that up. What two years later with Pulp Fiction? Two years later, and here's some fun, a fun fact. You know, Pink got her name from Mr. Pink. Oh, really? I yeah. did not know that. Very weird. Anyway. Sounds a little bit too much like Mr. Pussy to me. <laughs> or Mr. Brown. Or was it? Did he say Mr. Pink sounds like Mr. Pussy or did he say Mr. Brown sounds like Mr. Shit? Maybe I don't remember. I know, yeah. I know the pink was about pussy. Definitely. Okay, yeah. So, so, so uh, more like Mr. Pussy. <laughs> so... Um, in much the same way that Reservoir Dogs was a really interesting and new take on um, the heist film, Pulp Fiction was a incredibly new 
not necessarily take on one thing in particular, but just a really interesting and new and unique take on storytelling as a whole. Um, that's why it was nominated for best picture. That's why it was nominated for best. Uh, was it adapted screenplay? I, I believe it was adapted. I don't know why, but um, it was, I would well, often forget. Remember, they didn't, I don't think they had adapted at the time. I think that became a new thing. It was oh, new, it was best writing best directly for the screen. So um, that would have been, that would have been basically best original screenplay. So best um, picture, best uh, leading actor, best supporting actor, best supporting actress. Um, it also was not best director, best film editing. Um, yeah, it it really well. It didn't clean up because it didn't win any of those awards, but it definitely. No, everywhere that it was nominated for best um, screenplay, it did win. The BAFTAs, the Golden Globes. Um, so, uh, and interesting, you know, and at the BAFTAs, in the British uh, Arts and film, or Arts Film and Television, Television Awards, uh, Samuel Jackson won for Best Supporting Actor for that. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but this one for a long time, and when we talked about the Best Picture winners mm. um, a couple podcasts ago. We were talking about Forrest Gump. Yeah. How this was up against Forrest Gump and this and Shawshank Redemption. And I think so when you look at when you look at a movie as a whole, Shawshank mm-hmm. Redemption probably was the best movie of the year. Yeah. But I think the best film was Pulp Fiction. And I think for me, even looking back at all the movies we've seen in the last since then, mm. that may be the best movie I've seen in the last 25 years. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, this is uh, probably a top 10 greatest of all time movie. Yeah, definitely. S- somewhere. And and even if it's not the best movie <clears throat> in the top 25 years, it's definitely one of the top five movies in 25 years. Oh, yeah, years. for I mean, sure. Because you have to put Shawshank Redemption up there also. Yeah. But I think because for this to be and not adapted from a story. Mm-hmm. Um, an open thought. This is one of those first movies. I won't say the first movies, but in a way, it was one of the first movies that took so many different actors. Mm-hmm. And yes, if you had to pick out one person to be the main person of the story, if you look at the story as a whole, you really can't. Yeah, yeah, because they all weave in and out in separate like ways right. I mean if I had to say someone it's probably Bruce Willis see I would think it would be I think if you look at the whole story possibly like if you if you took the because what people don't a lot of people don't realize is that it's not in chronological order yeah yeah so if you put it in chronological order then I guess the point of the story would have been revolved around technically Bruce Willis yeah um, but I think because of screen time and and how the movie was constructed, you probably have to give it to John Travolta. Yeah, yeah. But even still, Samuel Jackson, um, it, Samuel Jackson, uh, John Travolta, Bruce Willis, every story that revolves around them, Quinn made sure that each person had a piece that was relevant. Mm-hmm. You yeah. did not think that they would just put in um, 
what's my man's name? Um, Ving Rhames. Ving Rhames. Yeah. So his part, his part was so pivotal. And, and when they really put him in to really, you know, be part of mm-hmm. the movie for real, um, you would never forget it. Yeah, no. You, you're never going to forget Tim Roth and um, what you call his daughter. Um, uh, um, Amanda Plummer. Amanda is Plummer, it? Yeah. yeah. Christopher Plummer's daughter. Um, you're not going to forget. There's parts that he made sure that you weren't going to forget. You're never going to forget Samuel Jackson's part. You know, we keep bringing him up, but that you're not going to forget, you know, Phil Lamar in a shot in the head, you know. Um, <laughs> but the whole conversation, even with him being shot in the head, how that transpired was just something of a regular conversation and a mishap. Yeah. You know, just a mishap. Um, this was a great movie. This was a great yeah. movie. And as we talked about before, this was a great year in movies. Um, yeah, 94 is really, really damn good. Damn good. And I, I don't really see too many flaws in this movie just because of the way it was set up. Um, and then even if you listen to background, that's another thing that he, he's really good with attention to detail. If you listen to background, there was things in the background that alluded to uh, things that happened. Um, like, I give you an example. I don't think that Uma Thurman and John Travolta won that dancing award. I think they took it. Oh, yeah, you yeah. Know? So there's things that then they talk about, like if you listen to the radio and things like that, you know, you, you hear them say things that make you think, oh, okay. So, but for a long time, this, this was hands down to me his best movie. Yeah. I, I don't know that it is my favorite of his, but it's one of his top two or three, I think. Uh, I don't know which one. Well, it, it might be his best. I don't know if I'd put anything above and, it. And we'll get through. We'll walk up yeah. through and we'll see, but I definitely think, you know, especially up until for, for a while, there was a, a good argument that this was the best one he had made. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so now we go into 97. Yeah. 97. So and this movie I had to watch three times. I watched it when it first came out mm. and I think my expectation was a little bit higher just because of what Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs were. Yeah. Um, I watched it again probably about five years later and I watched it again a couple of years ago. And when I watched it a couple of years ago, and then I, I really took in the point that it was uh, Errol Moore Leonard book. Yeah, yeah. He changed some characters up, you know, because Jackie Brown was technically white, you know, some other things. But then I started really appreciate the movie even more, just the way he Tarantino'd it. Um, yeah, Jackie this Brown was good. I think Jackie Brown is his most underrated movie yes, by a mile. By a mile. Um, and it's a shame because Jackie Brown's really fucking good. It's very good. Like it's it's not Pulp Fiction, it's not Reservoir Dogs, but but, but it's not like it's that far off either. But but also to be fair, once again, you're you're adapting this from something. Yeah, yeah, and you that's know. another thing. This is his uh, in his filmography. This is the only one that he's adapted, if I remember correctly. Yeah, this is the only one he's adapted. So, and, um, and, and man. Pam Grier did great. Everybody in yeah. this movie did fucking damn good. Yeah. Now, I'm not a big Bridget Fonda fan. I never really yeah. was. Just like she, I'm not a big Uma Thurman fan. Yeah. But 
in this role and um, they did very well um this is top six definitely mm. definitely top six um and it's but it's 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 kind of like it's kind of like outcast when you're dealing with like fucking consistent eight nines and tens right. it's hard to yeah it's how you know you can probably say this one is the best or this one is the best but then when it comes down to everything else it's like well it's not like this one is fucking bad you yeah know, you yeah it's six you mm. know yeah um this six is still better than your one you know so mm. um but yeah, I agree with you. This is probably his most underrated movie, period. Yeah. Um, just to let people know, Robert Forster had won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. Um, Samuel Jackson started his, this was been his second movie together with Quentin. Yeah, this is, or Pulp Fiction was the start of like them working together for a long time. Yeah. He's in, he's in all of the movies, if, right? If he's After not Pulp Fiction. It, he's at least a voice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or Dale Robbie. Yeah, he, uh, and then, because the book, the movie was uh, adapted from Rum Punch, so let everybody know if you haven't heard about that. Um, the only thing it was nominated for was Best Supporting Actor, unfortunately. And uh, that was for Robert Forster, right? Yeah. Um, Pam Grier did get the Best uh, Actress uh, nomination for the Golden Globes, and so did um, interesting. So did Samuel Jackson, but not Robert Forster. Mm. So, yeah, because really, uh, really, almost all the men. I don't know that you could point out a direct best actor from this because Samuel L. Forrester well, was and like, De Niro all probably no play actor. I, she was the she. Was yeah, the she was. She, she would have been best uh, actress for sure. Else would been, and this would probably been the first movie where he had a definite lead. Mm-hmm. Like a definitely, um, you could argue with Tim Roth and Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, you could definitely argue that for um, sure. Or, or you could even argue uh, Harvey Keitel. And so that's that would be the yeah. issue. So, so now if you have to pick one, this is not like this is a dual movie, like a yeah. dual name movie. But if you had to pick one, who could have been? Mm-hmm. So this is the first time that I think that he had a definite lead, and everybody else was really supporting characters, and they did all great. Yeah, Michael Keaton was in it. You know, yeah, um, Michael Keaton's great in that movie. He's great in general. Oh um, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, this is this is another nine for me for him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree. You know, it's funny because Metascore had given it a sixty-four. A lot of critics didn't really care for it as much as they had his other movies, but. Um, but I think what I had to do with, and I haven't read what they said, but if I had to guess, it was so, because it was adapted, it wasn't really his mind. Yeah. So, also, I think that this is probably his most structured movie. Like, the rest of them are kind of, uh, you know, they either take, like, weird, like, like Pulp Fiction-type structures where they'll, like, jump around in the timeline, or they tell stories in like a not so specific order like this and death proof i think are his two most structured movies and they're also the ones coincidentally that people like the least and that's i think that's a little uh, 
I don't know that that's necessarily – like I wouldn't say that structure is necessarily a bad thing and I don't like that people shit on this movie in particular. We'll get to Death Proof in a minute. Um, I don't like that people shit on this movie in particular because this movie is very good. Very good. And like you said, it's a lot structured because of it being a book and he really respected uh, Elmore Leonard. Yeah. So he was really trying to keep that. So here's some um, – what else has Elmore Leonard done? Well, I was just about to say. Okay. So one of my favorite movies in the 90s, one of my favorite movies, period, is Out of Sight. Okay, yeah, George yeah. Clooney Out of Sight's good. So that technically is a sequel in a way to Ron Punch in a, in a way. Okay, yeah. Because the character that Michael Keaton plays in Jackie Brown, he reprises it in Out of Sight. Okay. Um, the Ray uh, Nicoletta, Ray Nicolette yeah. role. Um, Elmore Leonard also had done uh, Justified. That was based on. That's okay. That's where I know him from. Then there was another movie he had made after everybody was trying to adapt his stuff that I was really not too impressed with, honestly. Um, um I think I sometimes get him confused with Cormac McCarthy. Okay. He did Get Shorty, which I love Get Shorty. Yes, Get Shorty's great. Yeah, but then what was the one after that, the, the sequel? Um, um, be Cool. I could be done with that. So. <laughs> but I, I, like, you, I like Be Cool. I think that's... I don't think it was horrible. I think it's funny. But I would never watch it again. Mm. Um, here's one that's underrated. Talk about underrated Elmore Leonard movies. Three Tender Humans. Was the shit. Yeah, the the, the remake the is really really great. Um, oh, he did go. What well, I was on TV. No cares. Um, interesting, interesting. I didn't. Uh, a lot of shit. I did not know who he was for a long time. Yep, he did a lot of stuff, but um, but yeah. So now we're on to the fourth film by Quentin Tarantino. I love that that was all over the posters for for this movie. Um, this is when shit gets real. Yeah, this is yeah for real. Yeah, this uh, is he, you, I would. You could make an argument that these two movies are his best movies. You can. You can make that argument. Um, I. I personally, when I first watched Kill Bill 1, I loved it. I couldn't wait. Yeah. I saw it at the movie. I couldn't wait. And I knew he was going to do the Matrix thing, come out with the next movie the next year. Kind of yeah. Thing. And I like Kill Bill 2 more than I like 1. And See, I, I think one. I'm reversed. I think I like 1 better <coughs> than 2. But that's not necessarily, again, that's not, I mean, they're neck and neck. Right. Like, it's not like 1's a 10 and 1's like a 7. It's right. like... They're like, both nines, you know. Like I and see, I gave, see, I gave Kill Bill one eight. Mm. Uh, technically, because the IMDb doesn't do halves, I guess yeah. eight and a half. Yeah. Um. All one reason is because I just don't like Emma Thurman, but <laughs> I definitely gave her the benefit of the doubt on this one because she did a damn good job in this movie. Yeah. And I think that what made me like two more than ones because. I, like, I think we talked about this before. I'm down with action. Cool. 
Yeah. But give me some dialogue. Give me some story. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that, and that's what made me want to to be hired. Yeah, because two definitely yeah, delves yeah. into that more right. for sure. The thing about one though is that the action in one is awesome. Yeah, like for someone who doesn't do a whole lot of action sequences in his movies, he nailed the kung fu. Well, it, w- it wasn't necessarily kung fu. It was more like samurai in this movie, and then yeah. it was more kung fu in the second one. Uh, he really, really nailed these action sequences in one. Like, just knocked them out of the fucking park. And again, he doesn't really do a whole lot of action in his movies, which is why it's kind of surprising. Well, it, it, yeah, well, it's, it's not really surprising per se. And the reason being, just like Jackie Brown, he had that infatuation with black sportsation movies. He loved Pam Greer. Yeah. Um, like when Pam, he was trying to get Pam Greer to do it. You know, she saw all these pictures up in the wall. She said, you know, did you put these pictures up because you knew I was coming? He was like, actually, I was going to take them down because I knew you were coming. Like, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. You, when you have an opportunity to do something that you love, mm-hmm. you're going to try to do it right. He's really into Kung Fu movies. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so. Which is exactly why he has David Carradine in this movie. Exactly. And then if I'm not mistaken, I may be wrong about this, but I think that's why he also had RZA do the soundtrack. Oh, yeah, because RZA's is super into Kung Fu right. movies as well. You know, yeah. Yeah, clan, so. <laughs> um, and um, if if I remember correctly, the guy who plays Tori Hanzo in this movie was famous for some Kung Fu stuff in the 70s. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how the fuck to pronounce this, but... Yeah, uh, Yagyu clan something. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, <laughs> so he plays Satori Hanzo. Uh, and he also plays the guy that he fights that she fights at the end, the bald Asian guy. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, <coughs> so this I feel like is <clears throat> also another interesting take for uh, Tarantino. In that this is his first movie, I feel like that takes place across multiple settings. Whereas, and I don't mean that in like Reservoir Dogs is only set in one place because it's not. Like, I mean, there are, but but it's one like little contained area. Yeah, Yeah, and same thing with Pulp Fiction. Same thing with um, Jackie Brown. With Kill Bill, he really opened up things it's in japan it's in uh you know it's in america and um and it's not just one city in america it takes place across several and it also has that really really incredible anime sequence where it tells the story of lucy Liu's character and how she became part of the the elite five or whatever they were called crazy no, Cra- Crazy 88 were the, the her henchmen. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, I don't what the hell was the name of their of their game? So actually Robert Rodriguez has scored this for a dollar. So I was wrong. <laughs> it was not RZA. Oh, RZA did the second one. Okay. That's what it was. Um, but in general, all those aspects of what you just said is why you can't argue this is not one of his if not his best movie, uh, at least set of movies. Yeah. Um, 
he puts a lot he put a lot of, of emphasis in making sure that like you said that the action sequences sequences were um, done correctly mm-hmm. but a lot of um even with the script even with the, the story with because that was the one the beginning is when she killed uh, um Oh, what's her name? Um, Vivica A. Vivica Fox. Vivica A. Fox. Yeah. Yeah, and so even with that, you come into this story knowing something happened mm-hmm. and how people, like especially with her, she was the only one who actually lived a normal life after that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because the, the rest of them, uh, let's see, well, what, what's her Mad- face? Well, uh, yeah, I guess Michael Madsen kind of does kind of because does. he uh, – his character is more explored in the second one, but he becomes like the the bouncer for a strip club or something like that. Yeah. But, uh, um, what L is that her name? The character's name Daryl Hannah. I, I think her name oh, is L. Yeah, L uh, Driver. Yeah. Yeah. So she basically stays by David Carradine's side, Bill's mm-hmm. side, and Lucy Liu becomes like this. Mafia. You know, ma- yeah, the yeah. yakuza head of the yakuza or whatever. And, um, but yeah, Vivica A. Fox is definitely the only one who really kind of has a normal life. Uh, and it's really interesting that she's the first one she kills because that's exactly what she, she was wanted, trying to do. The right. the bride or, uh, Margot, I think Margot Kidder, right? No, oh, she was only known as the bride in this movie, but then her name is revealed in the second one. Beatrix Kiddo. Beatrix Kiddo, not Margot Kiddo. Not crazy Superwoman woman. Yeah. <laughs> so then, so when we get to volume two, which came out a year later, um, not only did this, this was better reviewed than the first one. Mm. Um, it's also, I feel like more Tarantino that like this has a lot more of the, the signature Tarantino style and yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's probably what I, I appreciated more about it because you got down to more of the aesthetics of what this story is about. Mm-hmm. Because in the first one, you were just, it's, it's revenge. That's what it basically comes down to. And I'm cool with that. Um, <coughs> and also because I already knew that they were making a second one and you had to, especially after watching the first one, okay, you're going to have to do, you, A, you didn't kill everyone. Mm-hmm. And B, you have to get into some sort of story of what happened. And so I really think that this is um, a damn near masterpiece. This was fucking great. Yeah. Um, I was highly impressed, highly impressed with this. And one thing that I I think is uh, – I don't want to say interesting about this, these movies, but um, when I go to break down like his – filmography like when whenever i'm talking to someone about tarantino and his filmography specifically it's hard for me to dissociate the two of these movies because they are just one story right um and i think that that's one of the reasons that i think volume two is really really spectacular in that it takes everything that you already know you know that you know, she got fucked up. You know that <clears throat> it was uh, Bill who had it done to her. And you know that she's already gotten, at two, this point, two. Three, no, three of them. Is it three? No, it was two. It was, it was Lucy Liu and Vivica and A. Fox, Fox, right? Fox, right. Yeah. Um, 
that she's already fucked up and she's coming after the other ones. But you don't know why specifically she was targeted uh, for, you know, why she was killed or whatever. Um, And you don't really know what the story is behind their group. And this really fleshes out all of that. And even though it's like the middle part of the story, that's what a lot of really great second acts do is they give a lot of exposition and they, and it's not necessarily always a good thing because some movies do it way too much. And anyway, this movie does it perfectly. It lays out all of, all of the things that we didn't know and still even leaves like a little bit of mystery. Cause at the, at the end you find out that, uh, the baby she was carrying is still alive, right? Which we didn't know at the beginning of the movie. We thought she, you know, had lost the baby when she got shot in the fucking face. Um, and you did not want to watch a three-hour movie. Yeah, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's certain movies you can deal with being three hours, mm-hmm. but this is one of, those, one of those movies. I think that it probably would have worked. But you really couldn't make this three hours. This would have to be at least a three and a half, four hour movie because yeah. now you're talking about you have to kill four people, five people technically if you count Bill. And then you have to understand how does she become this badass. Yeah. Um, I'm glad they broke it up. Uh, it, it reminds me, or this movie reminds me of Kill Bill would be the Infinity War because when, when we found out there were going to be two movies, just, you know, second part of it because mm-hmm. it was going to be too long. Basically, um, you thought, okay, that makes sense. But now, when you realize, okay, we flushed this out into two different movies for, mm-hmm. the, for the same point. Like, you know why we're doing this. Yeah. But this is how this happened, and this is how this happened. And this is not technically the same, but you can understand how it it really is just one movie mm-hmm. that you just couldn't put, that you, know, you didn't want to have an intermission in. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but no, this is a, definitely a nine for me. This one was, this one was damn good. And I want to say Robert Rodriguez did this one too. I think he did all of them just for that one dollar, and then they just separated the movies. Mm. I really thought that. I thought it was the RZA Disney, though. But I, I, cause I could have swore I used to watch. I used to be really into the watching special features on the DVDs and shit like that. And I could have sworn that the RZA did the music for one of these. I I could be wrong. Let's see, composer. Yeah, it still says Robert Rodriguez. But here on MTV.com, it says that um, oh, see on IMDb, has got the RZA listed as the composer for Volume One, and then Robert Rodriguez is the composer for Two, Volume Two. So that was cool for him to do that. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. Also, this. With that said, uh, I also really like the two distinct styles that the movie have. Yes, like one's very much a kung fu, and one's very much like a like a, a, like a western. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Volume Two, as much as I love Volume One, I think Volume Two has more moments that are memorable, like the the fight sequence in um, Michael Madsen's trailer. But see, to me, I feel, I feel different. I feel like one has more memorable, memorable action scenes and fight sequences. Mm. Um, I yeah, think yeah. that the main thing that stands out to me other than 
did you no know, no Bill's death yeah. was her fight with L. But mm. you know, I think about the action that she had to go through with Vanetta before the daughter came, mm. and then when the daughter gets there, and how they have to like chill out. Um, I think about that. How, yeah. <laughs> I love that sequence. She's <laughs> she, <laughs> she's got the fucking knife behind her back, and she's like, "Just go to your room, baby." Like that shit's funny as hell. And then you think about just like the whole sequence with the crazy 88s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Lucy Lou says, you know, it won't, you know, you won't last five minutes and it lasts four minutes and 59 seconds. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So like there's certain things to me that I think that's what that was so good about that is because like I said, that he, he planned it out so well mm-hmm. as far as the, the action for me, it was more, yes, it was a lot of things in two as far as action wise that I, that, that I can call out, but it was more the point of, Damn, this is a damn good story. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. This is a damn good story. This was, uh, and it's, now I understand why the fuck you're so mad. You mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. why one is justified, you know, the, so. I love uh, the teases that it also gives. Like, um, when you are watching the sequence with Pai Mei and you're watching him, like, literally just, like, torture her <laughs> and she's, like, taking it or whatever. And then, um, you find out at the end that she's the only one that he ever taught the the five palm the, the five. yeah five palm strike whatever the fuck it's called uh f- damn it i don't want to fuck that up the five fist palm strike is that right it doesn't matter i mean someone's going to listen to this and be like you stupid fucking idiot yeah, fuck we'll talk about this and i know what it is yeah um but um, this this one also has maybe my favorite s- uh, scene in any Tarantino movie, and it's the scene where he's talking. Ten point palm. Ten point palm. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Um, oh no, let's change to the five point palm. So okay, yeah, five point palm. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's the scene where. He's talking to her about why she was so special, and then he uses the – he starts talking about Superman. Superman. I love that scene. You know, somebody has talk, talked about how that – because I love that too. That's 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 one of the things that really, like, made this, like, damn, this is a great movie. Mm-hmm. But somebody contradicted that, saying that that was never the case. I still think the way that he said it was right, but what they said about that, and this is off tangent, but they were saying that Superman, because he was actually from here, technically. Yeah. He, it was not an act. Like, he really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But even in the same token, you can still look at it, especially when you realize that you aren't from here mm-hmm. and you are different and you see what you think is not how they think. Yeah, yeah. So the way he put it, and the way, he killed, uh, the way Bill had put it, made a lot of sense, and I still kind of agree with that point because you knew different. Yeah, yeah. And you were like, and once you knew that you were stronger and faster, you're not the same. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. you have to have to fit in at this point. Yeah. You fit in before, but now you realize that all right, I I've superseded this. Yeah. So now before you guys can do anything, I'm going to have to go back down to your level. Yeah. So what can I do to make you think 
I'm like you. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, that was that was the thing that really got me for that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know that I don't know that I necessarily agree with his points about Superman, but I love I love that scene in particular, especially how it relates to her. Right. Like the him using that as like the the metaphor or analogy for her life right. is really really spot on, and I love that that ties into the end of their story. Um, that. Kill Bill Volume 1 and Volume 2 are uh, – I think that they would probably go into the top ten greatest movies of all time also. I I genuinely love those movies. Um, hmm. I, I like them a lot. They're not top ten for me. Mm. And I, that's – because Pulp Fiction I think still if, – if especially if we're doing this a, a, a rankings of – you only have to pick one movie from – and the director. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I feel you. But if you're just taking just like this is um, like the college football playoffs, mm-hmm. you're taking the best films, period. It's in the top 50. It's definitely the top 50. Um, but there was there's so many movies. We yeah. So many movies. And also I say that, but then the next movie that we get to in his filmography is probably my favorite. And oh, I would yeah. also argue – Oh no! Never mind. I'm sorry. Not his next movie. It's the one after. Yeah. yeah. So this one. Yeah. De- Death Proof is the Death next Proof. one. Actually, to be honest with you, we say Jackie Brown is the most underrated. This is his most underrated movie to me. I don't think so. Do you like it? No. Well, I mean, it's fine. I don't hate it. This is, I think, his weakest movie to me. That I would agree with. I definitely agree with that. But I think that a lot of people did not watch it because the assumption was, for one, when you think about when the the trailers came out, you think of Grindhouse. I mean, you think of Planet Planet Terror. Terror. Yeah, everyone thinks – like when you think Grindhouse, you think Planet Terror because it was – that was the one I feel like they pushed everywhere. Like if you look at – the posters and stuff. It's got um, Rose McGowan with her little, you know, machine gun leg, or it's got uh, um, Josh Brolin as like the doctor or something like that. Yeah. Like Grindhouse, I don't think you ever really saw a whole lot of marketing for the death proof side of things. So I think, and I may be wrong about this, but you know, a lot of this had to do with him with Quentin trying to um, bring Robert out more. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he already has spy kids and everything, but if when you think about the uh, Quentin Tarantino movie or Robert Rodriguez movie coming out, you know who would you care about more? Yeah, you know? I I I used to think about them as equally, uh, but that was really based on the strength of the Mariachi trilogy, because mm. uh, well, and and I guess Sin City, because after that, you've got Planet Terror from Roger, Robert Rodriguez. But you don't have much else outside of Spy Kids and Shark Boy and Lava Girl. <laughs> which did well, which is weird. Anyway. Um, and, and you, you know, I, I shit on that right now. But, like, he did those movies for his kids. So it's not like it's, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, this is what I wanted to do in my life. Um, yeah, he did Alita. Yeah, he did do that. Yeah, I, I haven't seen that yet. They said it was actually pretty good. I can wait. Um, I did like Machete, but 
Oh, yeah, he did. But once again, that's not like yeah. one of those, damn, I have to go out and see Machete. Yeah, yeah. And I did like Once Upon a Time in Mexico. I know it's part of the trilogy, but well, he did The Faculty. He did do The Faculty. That's a damn fact, good movie. That was the, well, technically, he did the, From Dust Till Dawn, technically. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Tarantino wrote it and he directed it. Well, that wasn't bad. That was that that could have been better, but it wasn't bad. I like seeing Summer Hayek, but um, but no, in general, I, I agree with you. I think that um, this was his weakest movie, but I still think that it's underrated because I don't think it was that bad. I think that. Yeah, I, I don't think it was bad. <clears throat> I just think. Like I said, the, most of his movies are eights and above, and this is like a seven. Yeah. Yeah, there. Um... One thing that really kills it for me is the first half of the movie. Because it's really broken into two, two – it's really two mini-movies. They're both like 40 minutes apiece. <sighs> That, for me, kills part of the momentum of everything that he was trying to do because that first um, that first part, you get to know all those characters really well and uh, then, you know, spoiler alert, they all die, right? Then you have to start over basically a new movie with a whole new group of characters and you spend a good, you know, 30 to 40 minutes getting to know them before, you know, they have their, you know, moment to sign or to. And, but I think that's what, that's what I really liked about it because I guess you, unless you knew the trailers and you knew who was in it, you're into movies. Then you would think, well, where are where where's such and such going to come into this? Mm-hmm. Especially with that first part happening the way it did. Yeah. Um. I maybe I just like it so much because they fucked him up. Yeah, you know, yeah, maybe. yeah. And and I just and that was one of those things that you really didn't expect to him to get fucked up like that, especially the way he had done the other ones. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, that is that that is one thing that I really enjoy about the. The the final sequence or like the final half of the movie is I really like the subversion of would well, you think that they're going to get fucked up just the way that the cast of the first half of the movie did and yeah. then the and roles are completely reversed and they fuck him up. They fuck him up. Yeah. Um, so I – But I, I could agree with you. If, if I had to not watch one movie of his, this would be the one. Yeah, yeah. This would be the one. Yeah. So then we go to 2009. This one. This one is maybe my favorite of his. This, and this is what I was saying, up until at, well, at, at one point, Pulp Fiction was my favorite movie he had made. Then this shit came out. Uh, and, uh, well, uh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and I'll tell you this. Now I, I, I still can say Pulp Fiction is my favorite, and I'll tell you why this isn't, but it's my top three for him. Okay. So this is The Glorious Bastards. Yeah. This was also, if I remember correctly, this was the first time 
he got nominated for uh, an Oscar after Pulp, Pulp Fiction. Fiction. It was. Um, he writes so well. He writes characters yeah. so well. Yeah. And I, that's the thing that got me for this movie is that he wrote, especially Christoph Waltz's character, so well. Um, yeah. The dialogue in the bar with uh, Michael Fassbender, Fassbender, that whole thing was just so well. Yeah. So, so well written. The thing about this movie, I think, that is better than all, all of the rest of his movies is the insane amount of tension that is built purely from people talking. Like, I don't know that any other movie in his filmography does it quite as well as this movie does. You've got – and the, the the scene I was talking about that I love um, probably on the same terms as, as that that speech at the end of Kill Bill Volume 2 is the, the opening sequence the of this movie. of this movie. The, the beginning of this movie, the first 20 minutes is so fucking well written. If you are and, into movies – this is what's going to, because regardless of how, because there was some far-fetched shit that happened. In this oh movie. yeah, for sure. And I think that's what made me like, I loved it. But then when you look at Pulp Fiction and you just think about how well, even with the far-fetched shit that happened in that movie, it was still reality in a way. Mm-hmm. But, but even still the beginning of that movie brought me into this. Yeah. I just, what the fuck? Oh, and the rat scene. I mean, the rat part. Yeah, yeah. Man. When he, the, like, it, uh, so everything about the opening sequence of this movie is perfect. Perfect. So it brought me in and had me wondering, all right, what's going to happen? So now you know this is a fictionalized world where things doesn't happen the same way it happens now. Brad Pitt did great, just being yeah crazy. He's he's funny as shit in this movie. He is funny. Like, he is funny. I and I've I've heard in, that in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he's. He's really funny, so that's I like that. But he's he's his especially funny in this fucking movie. Like I love the scene where they're at the uh, is it the German opera that's going on at the end of the movie? Or no, no, it's the the premiere of Old Buddy's movie. The, uh, yeah, Go, is it Goebbels' movie? No, that's not right. It was the premiere of. All I, all I know is it's starring uh, – or the the movie that's inside the movie is starring Daniel Brühl's character, uh, yeah. the the sniper. Yeah. Um, um. But that, that scene where they meet and uh, Christoph Waltz is like, oh, what's your name? And he's like, uh, oh, my god. What is it? Uh, is it Eduardo? He's like, Gorlami. That shit fucking <laughs> – dude, I – I was almost in tears. I was laughing so fucking hard. But you know, but it's still, for me, it still goes back to how well written Christoph Watts was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Michael Fitzwander. Even even with the dynamics between Brad, the, the bastards, mm-hmm. you know, um, Mike Myers in it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Just the way it was written, it just was, was so real done. Um, this is to me, for me, this is my second favorite movie. Yeah, I, I think, I think it might be my favorite. I think it's probably his second best. So we could definitely read, this is the, 
one or two. Yeah, yeah. If because, if it's not Pulp Fiction, it's, it's this, this one. Because yeah. It's like I could watch this every time it comes on. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is fucking amazing. And Christoph Waltz is amazing. Yeah, yeah. His his work in this movie in particular is like top top, top notch. notch, and. And it goes back to again, like even even if he was only in the opening scene of the movie, he deserved like a best actor at the very least nod for that one scene. But even that one scene, you've got. uh, I mean, you you mentioned the bar scene with Michael Fassbender. That scene's just as good with people not realizing what's going on. And like you said, it's it's the tension of just. Talking, yeah, and it's yeah, yeah, like because you're thinking, what the fuck is about to happen? Mm-hmm. Because, and even with that, oh, well, so what part? Yeah, it yeah, sound like, like so well written, and this is and this is what makes it different from the rest of his movies because Kill Bill had a had a had a it was a reason for this to happen, mm-hmm. and you go through it, and even though David Carradine had a great ending. And he had some, I mean, it was a great dialogue. This was like, it was a purposeful. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I love this movie. Yeah, I, I really, movie. really fucking love this movie. The next one, I don't think I love quite so much. <laughs> no. And you know, I, I, so, okay, so let me just put it like this. I think the acting is great in it, period, through everybody. Yes. It just got way too far-fetched for me. Yeah, I agree. I that's agree. what killed it for me was really the end. Mm-hmm. Django Unchained. Yeah. Um, this is also we didn't mention Inglorious Bastards. This was the beginning of his run where he got he's been nominated for Best Picture for every movie. No, since no, not every I, movie. I it's thought the game. Hateful Eight got nominated, oh, no. did it not? Oh no. Oh well, never mind. Maybe I'm a liar. I could have sworn it was nominated. It was nominated for Best Achievement in Music, written for a motion picture. Jennifer Jason Lee got nominated for Best Supporting Actress and um, Cinematography. Okay, I'm a liar. Never mind. It was a two movie run. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yet, Django is probably my second least favorite of the movies he's done. And the reason that I say that is because of the exact thing that you brought up. It is over the top goofy, like when it shouldn't have gotten. That yeah, way. exactly. Like there, and and the reason that it shouldn't have gone that way is because there are really interesting and um poignant ideas that he's trying to express in this right. movie with you know with racism and all of that stuff, and then you have a scene where he he's like. Uh, tell Miss whatever her name goodbye, and then he shoots her, and she fucking careens out of the room like she got yanked by, like you know whatever. That shit's funny, and I laughed. But there's so many goofy parts in this movie. In a movie that had a great performance by Christoph Waltz, mm-hmm. a fucking great performance. Finally, and I won't say finally, but something I could definitely say. Leonardo did fucking great in this movie. Oh yeah, dude, I love this. Is like a, a everybody fucking knows this now. But I, when I first found out that he actually broke his hand on the glass, yeah. I was like, "Holy fuck!" He kept going. He didn't like, flinch really. Like it was just like, uh. yeah, like this. This was a really, really. I I don't honestly know how he didn't get a, some sort of nomination. nomination at all. 
Like I was very confused about that. But I mean, and I, mean, I guess to be fair, Christoph Waltz did steal his thunder because Christoph Waltz is. I mean, amazing. he's fucking impeccable in this movie. Um, and even even, I hate to put it like this, but you know, Will Smith was offered this, this role first. Yeah, yeah. And he and, wants to say nigger, and I, and I can understand that. That shit could be kind of crazy, and, and that's one issue I do have for Quentin is that. Yeah, that's that's something you that I don't like. You don't have to use that fucking word like yeah. that, seriously. Mm-hmm. Because if you white people use it like that, then that's a fucking problem. Especially mm-hmm. if you have black friends. Then the, anyway, it's weird to me. But this is a whole different type of movie. Mm-hmm. And yeah. unless you want to say, well, he made this movie so he could say it. That's, it could be true. Hope, I don't think it is. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Jamie Foxx, let me just say this. Jamie Foxx is funny. Dane Fox is a really good actor. Um, you get to put almost any black person in this role. Yeah, I, I think and so. I, and I'm not trying to like downplay anything that he had done because I think he did great. He did yeah, great. yeah, he he really did do great. Um, but and that's a, that's the problem with the movie is that every one of these, these three, Kerry Washington did great. Kerry K- Washington Kim really Samuel did Jackson fucking did great. Great, dude. He's funny as fuck in this movie. <clears throat> I, but, I yeah, you're right. End, and for me. When you talk about a whole complete movie, you have to have a whole complete movie. Mm-hmm. And this was the whole, and that's the thing about Inglourious Bastards. It got a little bit too far fetched for me to make it, for it to be better than Paul Fiction to me. Yeah, no, I, I feel you. See, so like, yeah. And so, but not like this. Yeah, not like this. Not where like this. Django's walking around in a fucking blue tux or even, suit. Hold on, but even with that. You, you, you even could find a comedy in that, but, but like you said, with this bitch flying out the fucking room, <laughs> like fucking blood spotter this way, like this shit got fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah. And I, I didn't feel uncomfortable, but I felt, I don't know how much more of this I can fucking take, and, and, mm-hmm. and it kept going. Yeah, yeah. And, and there, there are sequences in this that really make me uncomfortable in, in the same way that like. Twelve Years of a Slave made me uncomfortable. Like the the, the wrestling fight. scene. Yeah, that. I don't like. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh or um, the the scene where uh, is it? I think Leonardo is going to have the one dude killed while they're you know while they're riding, um, and then Django stops him stops that guy from being killed. I I also don't like that scene. I don't know why, but it makes I my skin crawl. Like, like I mean, I don't. That's why it's hard for me to even watch Two Years a Slave. Like like growing up watching shit like that in general, because you know, we watched it, especially yeah. in February. We watched it because it's Black History Month. And as you get older, you kind of become not numb to it, but you get to the point where like I I know what happened. Mm-hmm. I don't have to keep seeing this every fucking yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. And it fucking infuriates me. You know, not to the point where. Fucking Josh is white. I want to punch him in the face because he's white. No, just because I'm like, now nah, it's just different fucking kind of shit. I don't mm. want to deal with this. Here's something interesting though, about Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio. So when they were doing um, the dinner uh, scenes, he had to stop because he had a difficult time saying so many fucking racial slurs. Samuel Jackson pulled his motherfucker to the side and said, motherfucker, this is just another Tuesday for us. <laughs> <laughs> He oh he's <laughs> Samuel L is a fucking national treasure. I love that man. Man, he is the awesomeness. Um, but in general, this is 
I like Jackie Brown better than this. Mm-hmm. I, I like I said, I think I like all of his movies better than this, except for Death, Death Proof. Proof. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I, I just I, it, it, yeah this one, but the but even with that being said, the whole contradictory part of me saying this is that I feel like you had four great performances in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I'm, I think that Jamie Foxx did very well, but I think that like I said. Christoph Waltz, Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio, fucking Samuel Jackson, Kerry Washington did great in this. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And Washington, did she win uh, Supporting probably, Actress? Probably for an NWACP award, possibly. But Oh, uh, I, I could have sworn that she was... Uh, um, she was at the very least nominated. For a black award, yeah. But you know what's interesting? You ever see... Um, yeah, it won original screenplay and supporting actor. Yeah. Hmm. I could have sworn she was nominated. And no, don't be wrong. I, I'm glad that he won. Because I like him. And it wasn't a bad movie. I just thought, God damn, this is fucking weird. This shit got goddamn crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, that's another thing that I just thought about. With the, the scene with her... Uh, when she gets um, sent down into the, like, uh, I don't want to call it a torture chamber because that's not accurate to what it was. But that, you, you, do you know what I'm talking about? What? Carrie Washington's character. When she, um, they find her, tr- like, having tried to run away or whatever. So they put her down in, like, the hole. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, that's another scene. That, like, there are scenes in this movie that make my skin crawl. And then there are scenes that make me laugh, and they shouldn't make me laugh. Like, <laughs> like, 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 it's just like there. It it doesn't quite find the correct tone. But you know, I think okay. So, uh, uh, all right. Um, oh, side note. Did you know where her last name was? In the movie, or mm-hmm. Shaft? I did not know that. So she is supposed to be a direct link to Shaft. Oh, but, Christ. Um, See that's that's some more goofy ass shit. Like, <laughs> but just to show that she's a bad, that he's bad. Yeah, she's bad, yeah. You know, um, I think what it, it shows is that for one, one reason why I really do like this movie is because Jamie Foxx won. I mean, mm. you know, but it also shows you how he looked at everybody else still, mm-hmm. and that's just the reality of the, of the of situation. Everybody wasn't really out like he was out to help mm-hmm. but I get well and I won't say that because it was situations where he was actually trying to get them out and they didn't understand yeah. they need to leave you know and so I mean it really was a look this was this would have been one of my top three movies for him if the end didn't happen the way it did yeah I'm not even gonna lie to you like even with the uncomfortable things that's just what happened yeah. These are some things that just happened. Mm-hmm. But even with the being uncomfortable, it's the fact that you ended this fucking crazy. You fucking <laughs> ended this goddamn crazy for no fucking reason. Yeah. And you won an Oscar for the best fucking adapted screen, I mean, uh, original screenplay. Yeah. For this crazy shit. Yeah. You know? I, if the end didn't happen the way it did, this would have been definitely top three for me. Mm-hmm. Hands down. But it didn't. And so, like, it won whatever the fuck the All Deaf Movie Awards are. I've never in my life heard of this shit. <laughs> But the All Deaf Movie Award winner for most helpful helpful white person went to Christopher Walt Christopher Walt. 
I mean, he was a helpful white person. <laughs> Best bad motherfucker award went to Samuel Jackson for it. You know, um, I, mean, I actually really like the the first sequence where Christoph Waltz uh, actually meets Django. I really like that scene oh, a lot. Yeah, I, I I like most of everything he's done with Christoph Waltz. Yeah, yeah. Like everything he does for him, I think like he does purposely. I think he won. I want you to win Oscar this year, so do this. Yeah. Um, it won a lot of awards. I mean, it won a lot of awards. Um, and one of the producers is a black dude named Reginald Hudlin. And Reginald Hudlin made Boomerang with, with uh, Eddie Murphy. Oh, okay. Marcus Darling. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't ever say that to me. Um, <laughs> so that is, people love this. Mm. Now, Carrie Washington won the BT Award for Best Actress. Mm. Um, so did Jamie Foxx for Best Actor. Um The, back, the black people like this movie because we won. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, we won. And I, I find it weird the amount of white people who like this movie, if I'm being honest. Well, because, you know, the, the thing is, is that everybody white is not racist. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, yeah. You know, yeah. like people realize that shit was, was wrong. And especially if you have black friends or if, if you just know just, just think about it. Like, we, why do we like Death Proof so much? What's the main reason why? Death Proof? Yeah. I don't know. People die. The chicks fuck him up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not a fucking yeah. chick. I don't you know. But oh yeah, I like no. The fact that the chicks fucked him up yeah. because yeah. chicks get fucked up all the time, and you a badass bitch, and you fucked him up. Yeah, Hell yeah. that's true. Yeah, you know yeah. So like you know, when you see injustice, you like to see it mm-hmm. happen to people who you know generally. Yeah, you like to see people get their uh, their come up and so yeah. whatever. Yeah, that's that's fair. Oh boy. So now, so now we get to the last one before the new one, mm-hmm, the hateful eight. Um, this is a notch above Jackie Brown for me. Um, I think like if I, if I had a, if I had to rank them, uh, my bottom three are not a notch, a uh, notch above Jackie Brown, a notch above Below. Django. Django. Yeah, I think the bottom three probably go Death Proof, Django, Hateful Eight. And that's not to say that the Hateful Eight is bad. I think the Hateful Eight is really, really good. But I don't know. There, there's so, things about this movie that I really just don't like. And again, it's like the excessive use of the N-word when uh, like Kurt Russell's talking to Samuel L. Jackson's character in the, the stagecoach. The stagecoach. Like – do you have to say it that many times? But once again, so the, it goes back to what I said before. Are you making these movies so you can just fucking use it? Because yeah. you know it's used back then. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like this is not like recolored yet. Yeah, know? yeah. So, um, but then again, you get back to the point that, you know, well, if you guys haven't seen any of these movies, sorry. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but Huge spoiler alert. <laughs> at the end, technically... He would have won. He would have been the one who mm-hmm. got out. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, it was just a mishap kind of thing. Um, so the, the last two movies he made had a lot of that in it yeah. because of the time period. Piece. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I agree with you. Um, so it would go, for me, the last would be Death Proof. And then it would be Django. For me, it would be Hateful Eight, like you said, then Jackie Brown, um, 
And honestly, no. I wouldn't even say that. I'll say Django, I mean, Hateful Eight, Kill Bill 1, mm. Jackie Brown, Kill Bill 2, Reservoir Dogs, and Glorious Bastards, Pulp Fiction. Mm. Um, and even if I switch 1 and 2, um, I think what it is is that because of the construction of Jackie Brown mm-hmm. and because fuck, you could even, you know what, I won't even do that. I'll, I'll leave it like that. I'll put one and two of Kill Bill together mm. because it's still one thought just done differently. Yeah. And I still appreciate it. It's different if he had made them in two, like Godfather 2 and 3. Yeah, yeah. We talked about that. No, you could put one and two together. For me, you can't. Yeah. But you can't put three in with that because it was so far later. Now, if they had taken <clears> the 74 or 75, like a couple years later, I can understand, you know, you think of it as a trilogy as one. Yeah, so yeah. Sort of like Lord of the Rings. Like yeah. You, but even not, because even still with that, I, regardless, back to this, I'll say one and two, Kill Bill would be a notch above Jackie Brown, and then you have Reservoir Dogs, then you have, um, um, either Pulp Fiction or Glorious Bastards, but those are mm-hmm. the top two, but Hateful Eight, <coughs> one issue I have with Hateful Eight is that Oh, you know, people will probably hate me for this, but I think it's kind of boring. That's what I'm gonna say. It's slower than the rest. You know, it took a while for it to get anything happen. Like I said, I like dialogue, but if it's an action movie or a movie that should have some action in it, yeah, you would like to have, you know, yeah, because the the action at this in this movie doesn't happen till damn near the end of the movie. Yeah, Uh, and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like. Um, you were saying, uh, what was it? Was it the last podcast or either that or the podcast before you're saying that the favorite was like your favorite movie of last year. And that's, that's talk heavy. That's not a whole lot of action. You know what I mean? But but you go in there knowing that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, you know, if you go into Transformers and then all the actions, Godzilla versus King Kong. Yeah. You go into that or King of the Monsters, you go into that realizing that, all right, well, all the action happens in the last fucking 20 minutes of the movie. Mm -hmm. That's kind of shitty yeah. because that's misleading. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's kind of the way that – well, it's kind of the way that this movie is. I know it was like marketed as a uh, as like a Western by everybody who talked about this movie. But even Westerns are broken up pretty well with, with decent action sequences. Yeah. Um, I will say this. I think that the Samuel L. Jackson story about how he uh, took Bruce Stern's – Son, out into the snow and made him suck his dick is one of the funniest fucking stories, like that Tarantino's ever put in one of his movies. That shit had me dying with laughter. But outside of that sequence and the end sequence, there's not a whole much, uh, like a whole lot about this movie that I find really memorable. Um, like as a whole. Yeah. But I, I really. I really don't dislike this movie. Yeah, I yeah, no. Watched it like probably about a month ago. Have you seen the the Netflix one that's like the? Up? Yeah, I yeah. haven't seen that yet. That's what that's how I watched it, and I thought that it was um, it was good, um, but it's still in the lower tier of his movies. Yeah, but mm-hmm. like you said, because I felt like it was just a little bit boring. Oh, I didn't say I didn't say boring. You did. I yeah. said slow. Yeah. Um, 
the ending was really interesting. Yeah. I I did not see that coming. I, I also that. didn't know that fucking Channing Tatum was in this movie but until see, I, I saw him. I did and I forgot. And because <laughs> cause when I first came out, I knew he was in it. Mm-hmm. But then I forgot because yeah. after you keep seeing the trailers and stuff, you never see him. Yeah, you never see him. And then uh, you get like more than halfway through the movie and he's still not there. And you're like, when the, f- the like, fuck is he? Yeah. So now then, but yeah, once again, great writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the thing about the dialogue too is there, like there's some things that I thought like you thought that part about him sucking his dick was funny. Yeah. Like I never think it do. Like if I'm not gay, I don't think it do sucking my dick is funny ever. You know, like that. that's never anything. And and that's the thing about Quinn. Sometimes he goes so far fetched mm-hmm. for shit. Like, ooh, that's and not just him. Some other people too. But mm-hmm. I can understand it being funny. Yeah, because it was like, ha ha ha. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You gotta suck my black dick. Ah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, I did laugh. And and the fact that he's telling this story in front of uh, Bruce Dern and right. like Bruce Dern's reactions the entire time are fucking hysterical. He's like, no, no, not my son. Like that shit's yeah. funny, but. Um, you know what you do if you don't have anything. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, I think the acting was good enough. Yeah, think. yeah, especially Jennifer Jason yeah, Lee. She She's good. really fantastic she in this. Ass whoop too. Yeah. Like, oh, and that made me feel uncomfortable. Like you mm-hmm. knocked the fuck out of this girl. Yeah, Kurt Russell just beats the shit out of her oh, whole shit. movie. Uh, I also really like Walton Goggins, um, but I like him in almost everything. So that's a little um, bias. Yeah, a little biased. Uh, yeah, it's, well, yeah, it's definitely not, uh, one of my favorites, but it's still like, it's still a solid eight. Like, and that's, that's, I mean, through doing this whole thing, that's the whole, I guess, like thing about Tarantino is he doesn't make bad movies. Right. Like at all. Like, and his bad movies are only bad because you compare them to the rest of his movies. Right. Like he doesn't have a movie in his in his filmography the way that you know uh, Spielberg has um, War Horse. You know what I mean? Like but even even with War Horse, you know, there's people who really like that. Movie. Yeah, fuck that. You know, those yeah, people are dumb. Watch that fucking movie, but <laughs> or maybe maybe a better example is 1942. Oh, yeah, yeah. That shit was a waste of a goddamn time. Um, Let's see. Or, or Robert Rodriguez, who is, is Tarantino's boy. Uh, like, you know. very few movies I would want to see for him. Yeah, That's like I would watch the Desperado trilogy or Mariachi trilogy, trilogy, whatever. I would. Oh, my. Something's. Hang on. Hello. Okay. Okay, that was strange. I'm getting a little bit of um delay. But Okay. Yeah, it's still delaying. Okay, well we'll just try to power through this. Um, what was I saying? Like Steven Spielberg, who has no movies that you can arguably say, you know, I never in my life will see this again. Yeah. 
it's nothing it's that nothing he's made that you're like, like for, for, for most, most and I say and I most, for most movie fans, fans not just people not who just, just watch movies, movies because, because you know you can always say that you know, I don't like this movie you know or I don't like this person and because I don't like this person I'm not gonna watch this movie like me and even Thurman it took a lot took for a me lot to really go to Kill Bill because mm-hmm. I, really, I, 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 I wanted to I see it because I, I like Quentin like Tarantino, and I was going to give, her, give another her another chance. chance. But, yeah. Reese Witherspoon. I don't like Reese Witherspoon. It goes back to the election and her performance. But even still, I thought she did. I guess I guess they're saying that she did a good job. But when I saw Big Little Lies, I give you that. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. But in general, um, as far as, as a far movie as fan, fan, people who critique movies, people who, people who, and I don't and like, I don't like know, know as much as about, about the, the semantics of movies as you do, but, but if I tell if you I, I like a movie, I can give you a reason why I like a movie. Yeah, yeah. Versus just like, yeah, this shit was funny. I like the action. We could talk about it. So if people like that, there's movies that you may not have thought it was as good, like you said, but you can't say this shit was a seven. You know, maybe Deadpool. You may give Deadpool a seven. Yeah. You may even give Hateful Eight a seven. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, there's nothing else that is less than that. Close to period. I agree. If you just know subjective. So, well, objective, but... So, uh, you had said that if you had to rank them, you would have gone, what, uh, Death Proof, Hateful Eight, Django, Jackie Brown, Kill Bill, uh, Reservoir Dogs, Inglorious, Pulp. I still think it still, still holds up just because of the dialogue and just everything mm-hmm. that, that, that encompasses the movie that keeps you. Because even when you talk about like how Glorious Bastards was one of his only movies, if not his only movie, that has that tension in talk, you know. Reservoir Dogs are so like that too because you already know you know who the fucking ball is, who the cop is. Yeah. I'll find out. And then when yeah, yeah. Close, and then especially when he gets shot, shot. like, mm-hmm. oh, what's going to happen now? Um, I still think I still it holds up, especially, especially for being, being a low budget movie. movie. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. And you can even and argue, you can even put Kill Bill, Kill Bill 1 and 2, but I still have to put those together for me. Yeah, I agree. But be definitely 1 and 5. No, definitely 3 and 5. Or three and, or three six, and six, you could just, just switch them. Uh, yeah. yeah. We can definitely agree that Django and Death Proof are our least favorite, favorite of the ones. But yeah. I will yeah. say this again. Django would have been much higher if the end was not fucking stupid. If that shit was not fucking stupid, I would not have a problem putting this easily top three. But fucking gravy. Yeah. I think my ranking is probably the exact same as yours, except... I would flip Kill Bill 
and Reservoir Dogs. And I understand. Yeah, I definitely understand. Like I said, I could definitely understand that, especially how you explain how you feel about Reservoir Dogs. And I definitely understand because there's a lot of low budget movies like Kevin Smith. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. He's a perfect example. Where I still think that Clark's two wasn't better than one. In as far as the aesthetics of the movie, you can argue and say, "Well, you have more budget. It should have been." But but. That's a That's good a example good of somebody, somebody who's like, no, oh, if he had more money, how good clubs really have been. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. um, but, but no, but no I, um, I, can't I can't wait to see this fucking see this movie because they say yeah. this is fucking damn good. I was watching the uh, the trailer two or three days ago, and uh, I tweeted this out, and I, I haven't got any, like, biters on it, but I said that I think this might be – Tarantino's best chance at winning best picture because if if what he's saying is true where he only does 10 movies or whatever he's got one more after this if you count, if you don't, count don't count that story I mean Star, Star Trek yeah which which he said he wants to do but it's still in limbo so uh, but this movie to me seems like it is right up the Academy's Alley. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, well, well, it depends well, on how this goes, goes because don't forget, trailers, trailers have been very. Tra- yeah, yeah, that's very true. Misleading at times, but from what everybody has been saying about this, this is damn good. And the reason why we said Sharon Tate is because this is based, not based, but a lot of it has to do with. It surrounds the Manson murders. Sharon Tate was Roman Polanski's wife, who was. One of the people that was killed there. And she was also, what, six months pregnant? If she wasn't six months pregnant, she was definitely pregnant. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely pregnant. You know, it wasn't like weeks. She was pregnant. Yeah. So, um, but. This is interesting. Like, the trailers look really fucking good. I like Brad Pitt. Yeah, I like Brad Pitt. I've never been a Leonardo hater. I just feel like he overacted. But. But. From what I've from seen, what I've I'm going like to like this. Yeah, same. And um, um, I, I can't wait. So if I can find this, if I happen to see it before, before you, guys, you guys, I'll text it out to you <laughs> and, and um, give you my give rating, you my and, rating and, and then we'll talk we'll about, talk about, about it. it. But, um, but um, oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah, before, so we, before leave, we leave, um, I watched Layer Cake Finding the whole movie last night. Yeah, I saw that you... You post about it. Give it eight and a half. And I was like, how the fuck have you not seen this? Well, it's not that I haven't seen it. When I, when when I, when I, okay. I came I into it at the, at the end. So I already okay. know, you know what happened mm-hmm. at the end. Yeah, yeah. And so my, and so whole, my whole point of point it of was it like, was I really don't I really want to see the beginning, beginning because I know what happened at the end. Yeah. And it's like, regardless of what happens. I know what happened at the end. It fucks me up. So finally, I said, fuck it. Let me watch it. And I really did like it. Layer Cake's very good. I had no clue from what the ending was. I had no clue it was going to be like that. But yeah, it was pretty damn good. Pretty damn good. Cocaine's a powerful drug. So anyway. Yeah. But no. So we... Some other things should be coming up by the next time we talk. Yep. So. Yeah, I think that's it for us. Um, we don't have a topic set for the next time 
we record, so no hints this week. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk. We'll but, talk but we'll talk. Speak something out. Yeah. yeah. And um, so give us your, your, your thoughts on, on your uh, top ten, your top, your top eight list. Nine. Or, well. Well, before this Tarantino or. Tarantino. I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. Kill Bill. Is yeah yeah so top top seven or eight but, ranking them, um, but we'll get out of everyone's hair. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff. Yeah yeah yeah, and we'll catch you on the flip side, Bye guys. Bye guys. Bye. Yeah. Yeah.